Welcome to Reads with Rossa. Today's guest is a fellow educator, colleague, and a very, very good friend of mine, Erica Egawa. What's Aww. up, Erica? I'm good. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Rossa. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm feeling really excited to be here. So <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked to have you here. I feel like it's just us. You know, usually we're in the, in the teacher's room. Um, for those who are listening, Erica sits like, two desks two discs away <laughs> yeah. from me and I feel like this is just us you know like rolling around on our chairs <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> scooting out of everyone's way so I am just so happy welcome to the show how are you I'm good thank you so much for having me yeah I'm so far it's been good just a relaxing morning so yeah. yeah hopefully hopefully this will i can answer some of your questions yeah <laughs> you're going to be all good um how are you coping with the pandemic i mean i've been asking mm. everyone this question how are you coping yeah not just as a teacher you know, but personally personally i you know i think for me i'm filling my time with a lot of projects yeah like i just <laughs> this house is in disarray because i've got all sorts of projects going on for sewing to building to painting which is awful so i feel in a way you know it's made me kind of slow down and just kind of do the things that i'm i enjoy doing whereas normally it'd be you know going out getting dinner all sorts of things and like crazy things over yeah well no 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 <laughs> I pass those days. So, so i feel like you know overall i think i'm doing okay i mean cool thing is that I still get to see you I still get to see some friends at work and stuff so yeah I think I'm doing all right how about you how about you yeah I think I'm I think I'm coping all right I mean I'm doing some things that are like really therapeutic as you know just some projects mm -hmm. so um I think that's definitely keeping me busy and keeping me um well at least stopping me from worrying about you know commuting to work i mean i think that's my biggest issue like anxiety kind of thing right mm -hmm. <laughs> just commuting yeah. on the train every day and um you know like it's crazy here trains are super packed um no matter what time i go in the morning it so just feels just, like normal yeah i know i it feels like you know they said state of emergency and i i thought yay the trains are going to like at least be a little bit in like emptier i wouldn't have to take like a 5 15 a.m train nah i'm like taking like a 6 30 train another time i try to take the six o'clock train it doesn't matter i get on the train and i'm like this <laughs> you're, you're just trying not to breathe you know <laughs> yeah no i hear you i hear you the the uh, for for those of you that uh, aren't familiar with japan they have these buses and right now there's a seat directly behind the driver that has like this side of like you can't sit there and you know i was joking with our friend amy about like once once that sign is off and you can sit behind the driver then we know it's okay to ride the bus but as of now it's, yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean you're meant to keep the windows open on the bus um and on the train uh, but very rarely on the train, you know, like, um, mm. I think, yeah, like, I, it's like a little crack. Yeah. It's a little crack. And yeah, but I mean, aside from that, you know, like, I, I guess, um, just grateful uh, to still uh, be able to go to work. Um, like you said, mm. connect with colleagues and friends at work. Um, and just, you know, be alive. 
you know, just grateful yeah. to be alive. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that you're talking about projects because that leads me to my next, um, my next question. So, you know, during the, when the pandemic first started, like everyone was like getting into projects, like posting them on yeah. their stories. And I'm talking about people, like a lot of people I saw in New Zealand, like people were making bread, baking, <laughs> and post like gardening, like DIY, doing all of that. Mm -hmm. So it was funny how you mentioned your projects. Um, what quarantine hobby did you attempt to start but have already given up? Already given up? Mm. Well, given up on. What have you really given up on? Well, okay. <laughs> what are what are my projects so um so i i love to sew and i like doing embroidery and so i tried to do i think i showed you i tried to do this like mount fuji embroidery <laughs> and uh and uh it's not going too well i kind of threw it to the wayside but yeah i think that one i could pick it up but i kind of am feeling a little meh about it but <laughs> that's one of those of like you know, I know I should do it so I can show the students because I teach sewing at school too. But right. yeah, I, that one I kind of <laughs> gave up. It's all right. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people took things on and just, kept, uh, you know, kind of gave up. I mean, I wasn't even trying to make bread. Like, I think at the beginning I was like, yo, I was on that banana bread kind of buzz. And then yeah. after a while I was like, yeah, nah, you need to stop. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's when, not when, we, <laughs> when we were working from home for a while, the online learning, I tried to be healthy of like every morning I'm gonna have a smoothie. No, that yeah. lasted like three days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, that's yeah. I'm just glad we can still laugh about it, eh? Because <laughs> <laughs> what are some talents that you have that your students have no idea? Like, are you secretly this ballet dancer or hip-hop dancer like what are some uh, talent skills some talent i know you got some well, i know you got some yeah i would say one of the things that i don't i don't think i've even told you about this uh but uh i play the piano and uh have i told you this i didn't i didn't yeah. think so I mean, what are uh, other cover? <laughs> like, how yeah. do you keep a secret to yourself? Wow, well, really? but, I, but I have, I don't know, it's, I have this strange thing where I can't play in front of other people. Mm. Like, I only, I only, like, I've grown up taking lessons and learning how to play it, but, like, I only play when I'm by myself. So I don't think it, yeah, yeah. Not many people know about that one. That's a secret yeah. one, but I don't think yeah. I don't think I've even told the students ever. Yeah, we need to go to the chapel so you can play some music. <laughs> you gotta go, man. Let's go to the chapel, play some music. Oh, we have a chapel at school. Just saying, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, you know, one time uh, in elementary, so I I used to teach in elementary. They needed someone to help the pianist change the turn the pages. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I sat next to her and I did it. And then uh, one of the teachers came up to me, he was like, Erica, you can play the piano. Can you 
can you perform it? Like, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that they asked you to play at mass. I was like, how dare you not tell me oh. this? <laughs> and yeah, no, they asked. That was part of it of like, oh, you should join us when we do our worship in the back. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Come Thank you. Oh, man, these God given talents that you're hiding, girl. <laughs> I swear. Um, what are you curious about that has absolutely nothing to do with teaching? What's something nothing to do with teaching? Nothing to do with teaching, uh, but you're just interests or, mm. or like yeah. things that I want to learn to do. Anything. Anything. Well, okay. One thing that I really would love to learn, I, I love this. Okay, I'd I'd want to learn dancing, specifically pole dancing, because this is a family friendly show. <laughs> Excuse you. Uh, we might have children. I'm just kidding. Re rewind, rewind. Just kidding. Uh, let's let's edit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Because. Yeah, well, Fitness, because, right? For fitness okay. purposes, yeah. For fitness, yeah. Because okay, <laughs> I took I took one. It was like a five dollar <laughs> class. I took it once, and it was an intense workout. Like it was, I could I couldn't even like get one foot off the pole. Like it was intense. So I wanna I wanna be a better dancer, and, and just in general, I don't I don't have rhythm. Like I don't I cannot dance. So I'm that's sure what... the pole will help you. <laughs> <laughs> Hold Stop on it. tight, sis. Hold on tight. <laughs> I should have said that. Oh, man. I should have said that. Okay. Now, this next question, I had to ask. I have to ask this question, and then yeah. I will tell you why once Erica asks, uh, answers the question. Um, yeah. What is your favorite curse word? Oh, that is a great. Can I say it? Am I allowed? Um, Sure. I mean, is this is this a family family out if you need to or? You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I think I probably the word that I use the most often. Yeah. Can I? I don't know. Should I say it? I don't know. You can just spell it out or. All right. The F word. F bomb. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, so the reason. <laughs> yeah, I see where this is going. No, it's just. I uh definitely that's the most frequently used word in this household. Yeah. Yeah, you. You know, it's funny because I was I was trying to think. Oh, what, what what you know what are Erica and I gonna talk about? And I saw this question. I was like, Yo, I have to ask. Okay, so for our listeners and viewers, so it's Lent. Currently, it's Lent. Uh, there is Easter finishes next week. So for Lent, um, I mean, Erica knows me very well. I am, mm. yeah. Dirty mouth, pretty bad with cursing. <laughs> pretty bad. Like I have my no, moments. I'm Obviously so not in the classroom, but definitely every other time where I'm hanging with Erica, it's like f bomb, f bomb, f bomb, laughing, f bomb, f. Hey, chicka, chicka, chicka. anyways. So um, so basically for Lent, that was my goal, no cursing, and I'm actually I think my tally is at twelve now since Lent started. So it's been like four and a bit weeks. I've only like. Oh, I only like made a mistake like twelve times. However, <laughs> however, out the majority of the time, the majority yeah. out of those twelve, I would probably say that nine times was with Erica. Yeah. We're like like yeah. laughing or talking or whispering um, by our desks, and I'm just like, Erica, you're such a bad influence. <laughs> if, um, yeah. if, 
<laughs> oh my god! It just yeah. So um, I must say, as Erica said, I am very proud of myself. I mean, we still got a yeah. week and a half to go, but I, oh man, it's been um, refreshing. Like I can't even believe it myself. Like every day, like if I have to say something, and I'm with Erica, I'm like spelling out the word and missing some letters. Yeah. <laughs> um so what is um what is a favorite pastime that you have favorite pastime um I guess the one thing that really helps me kind of calm myself or that I I enjoy doing the most is probably cooking I uh yeah I that's one of the times like I feel at peace when I'm in the kitchen and just throwing something together so I that's probably out of all the things it's the one that I haven't given up on (laughs) (laughs) just don't start making bread because then you might give up (laughs) well okay I'll say I'm great at like meals food I am terrible at baking because Mm. I can't follow directions (laughs) <laughs> so don't, yeah don't even don't even ask me man i don't even get me started i yeah, yeah. Nothing to next time uh, <laughs> uh, on, on on monday i'm gonna be like hey where's my banana bread like yeah, <laughs> okay um so what was an early experience where you learned that language had power what was ah. an early experience that you can think of you know you know and maybe yeah so i guess i'll go i'll explain to our audience a little bit about my background so Mm -hmm. for for me so i'm i grew up in america my mother is japanese and my father is just a whole sorts of white (laughs) yeah but (laughs) um but in my households uh, because of the community and the school that I grew up in, it was really dominant of English only, you know, my, and I, because I was strictly told that, you know, this is America, we speak in English, you know, I came to kind of resent learning Japanese, learning it, or when my mom would try to teach it to me, I really didn't want to be a part of that, you know, because I just wanted to be accepted in my school and in the group of friends. So the only time that I would use Japanese was when I would be communicating with my family. And that would usually be in the summertime. And I just, there's just one memory in particular that sticks out to me where I really felt like, wow, language has so much power. Um, So my grandfather, he, you know, he didn't speak any English. He only spoke Japanese. But the few words that he knew in English um, were a result of the U.S. occupation of Japan after World War II, uh, when he was uh, late teen, early twenties, and you know, as you can imagine, war-torn nation. It was really an awful situation, and the words that my grandfather knew were what he learned. What he said he learned from the the officers um, in the military, and the words that he knew were "God damn," "Shut up," and "Pick it up, boy." Those were the three phrases that; those were the only phrases that my grandfather knew. So when I was little, and I would go to visit, 
you know, he would jokingly say that to me, to my brother, we'd laugh and like, you know, drop something, yeah, pick it up, boy. And then we'd laugh and joke it. But then when he explained the situation, like it was really awful. That was, it was literally, that was what they would like throw food on the ground. And then my grandfather would scramble and try to get it. So I just, I felt that, I just always remember that as having, well, like, those few phrases are what permeated through my grandfather's mind and what kind of gave his impression. It gave a very negative impression of how he saw Americans and which then of course translated into kind of the family relationships there. But definitely that was, I would say probably the earliest memory I have where I thought like, wow, you know, language does have power to it. And I was probably, when he first told me that, maybe I was like 10, eight, eight, nine, 10, somewhere around there. So, yeah. Um, but it's, language is, is an incredible tool that can express, you know, oh, sorry there, AC. <laughs> but yeah, but um, yeah, no, I think it can express all sorts of emotions. It can express, or it can pull out different experiences, you know? So, yeah. Sorry, I got a little serious, but. <laughs> no, please don't apologize. You are fine. Um, so your mom's Japanese. And mm-hmm. I guess, like, growing up in the U.S., like, were you, were you able to celebrate? Like, we live in Japan, and they have mm-hmm. um, a lot of celebrations. Like, there are special festivals, and. You know, there's like mm. Children's Day, um, like there's Hanamatsuri, you know, three, five, six. Mm-hmm. So there were all these festivals. Um, but in the States, in the US, were you able to, like, were you in a community that kind of allowed you to participate in such festivities? Or, like, did you, in, like, how was your mom able to kind of, like, bring Japanese culture into your life? I mean, were there, mm. you know, were there moments where she was, I mean... Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in my so in the area that I grew up in, um, there's I mean it's demographics. It's predominantly just white Caucasian, and there my mom didn't even know that there was a community of you know a Japanese community. She knew you know a lot of a lot of families who are Japanese American. They they can send their kids to a Japanese school. They call it Saturday school, Hoshuko, but my mom didn't even know that that existed. So anything to celebrate the, the Japanese side was really in the confines of our own home. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest celebrations that we had um, were just New Year's when we, you know, sit, it was more the family time, have the soba, have osechi, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, I think Girls' Day, we'd have a little a mini celebration in the house, but yeah that was really all that we were able to celebrate i mean you know looking back again and this is about my school too but you know when we'd have those days of oh come dress up or show something off you know and i'd be excited and i just remember i was maybe second grade and i brought wore my yukata the summer Mm -hmm. kimono and I got all dressed up and I went to school and I just remember 
one of the girls telling me that's not how you wear it you know this white girl telling me this and it was like uh no i do know how to wear it <laughs> you know and so and then she's like no i know that you need to, and she was trying to say to put the right side over left and i was like no no that's yeah. not okay um and and in japanese culture when you wear the kimono or the yukata if the if the right is over left that's what they do for when they're doing like wakes or for when they're dressing people in preparation for funerals so it's a really a no-no right yeah. and i just remember being like okay well i can never show this off so right. i think that was like maybe that time and then my senior year were the only two times you know where i even attempted to like show yeah. my culture yeah and what about speaking japanese i mean like did like did mom teach you growing up or your grandparents like where did you learn to speak Japanese if you know obviously thinking mm. about the community in which you were living um and not being able to be immersed in your culture mm -hmm. or another part of your mm -hmm. you know the other side of your yeah you know um, yeah identity and stuff so how were you how did you pick up the language or was that just when you yes well, so actually, yeah, so um, my mom did try to teach me a little bit. Uh, one of the things, uh, Japanese families abroad, they can order the national curriculum textbooks. So my, my mom tried to do that. But again, I was just like, no, I don't want to study. Right. I'm, I'm, I want to be American. I only speak yeah. English, right? And then, you know, after I graduated from um, school and then I went on to university, and I happened to kind of join this group that was a, a, a Japanese American kind of social group. And there I met so many different people who grew up in the States, but were fluent in Japanese. And then that was when of like, oh, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. And, and, it, and it kind of then like ignited this I don't know if it's a rivalry or that competitiveness of like, I need to catch up, you know, I need to learn here. And I'm almost like a little bit embarrassment of like, man, why have I been living my life with just English? Like there's so much, you know? So um, it was from university that I started taking classes. And, and I think because I had casual conversations with my mom, with my grandparents, with my family, um so i i had the pronunciation i had a lot of the basics down so it, it i think for me it was a little bit more of an exponential kind of process where i kind of just jumped in head first but yeah i'm still learning yeah still trying to figure things out but yeah it wasn't until i kind of saw the reality that there's so many other people that can speak and know and learn so mm. that's when i kind of picked it up yeah that's awesome. So fast forward, you're um you're back in Japan now. I mean, you're in Japan mm -hmm. and working at an international school. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of maintaining that language and still, I mean, you're still studying. Um, are you trying to use it as often as you can, or like? Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, we we had the parent conferences um, last Friday. 
And I had this one family that had asked, oh, can we try to do the conference in Japanese? And I was like, okay, I will try this. But yeah, I was like, okay. But like, I I don't know technical words like, you know, analyze the text or produce. Yeah, all that, all that jargon. So I was like frantically Googling while I'm like trying to explain it. And like, it was, it was fine. We got the communication across, but like I just, it did feel though when I afterwards I I got a, um, the the parent mentioned that it, thank you for trying to do that in Japanese. Like we felt more comfortable trying to do, and it, it, it you know and as as bad as my communication was, and I felt like awful. It was like man, I couldn't say what I wanted to say, but I still feel like at the end of the day, they seem to feel more comfortable in Japanese, and and it made me feel like you know I should. I should I should learn those terms a bit more so that if it comes up again I'll be ready to go. But other than that, you know, at school I would say mostly communicating in English sometimes with the Japanese teachers when we're gossiping in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think I I, I still feel I don't feel like I'm very strong with my Japanese. So sometimes I kind of shy away from it when I know that I should practice it a bit more, you know, and even, you know, with my group of friends here in Japan, most of them have some level of English. So I kind of, I fall back on that. And then in the situations where it's my friends who only speak Japanese, I feel that I'm a bit more shy and I'm, I'm holding back when I should just, I need to practice it a bit more. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if you weren't living in Tokyo, right? Yeah, maybe true. If you were living, true, like, in true, true. Part, maybe you need to go to Inaka, move to the countryside. <laughs> well, I mean, like that. Well, you can tell me about that because you lived in Mia, right? Way yeah. out in the, way but, out in the country. I mean, since, yeah, it was just like when people talk. Like I love, you know, you know how much I love Japan, the culture, the people, the yeah, the tradi- you know, oral traditions and stuff. And when I lived in the countryside man you're just fully immersed um like i was like rice fields i walk out of my apartment rice fields when when there's awesome. like heavy rain it's flooding <laughs> but the people you know the <laughs> thing about Inaka, like living in countryside japan is just the um the community like tight-knit community mm-hmm. and it's more like um like a lot of senior citizens you know there's like mm-hmm. different age range just because a lot of that like once you graduate high school a lot of them move to the cities and stuff. So, um, but yeah, definitely you're immersed in the language and the culture. Um, I love today and it's mm. it's quiet. When I hear colleagues talk about how amazing Tokyo is, but they only know Tokyo, I always say, man, yeah. I need to. Japan is such, man, it's a, it's a massive country. You know, people really need to get out of Tokyo and see, and not just the day mm. trips, you know, not just that I'm going on a one-day trip to yeah. Hakone <laughs> to yeah. get a glimpse well, of Hakone, yeah. right? Like, really, you know, really go out and just experience um, mm. true Japan is what I say. Not that mm. living in Tokyo is not true Japan, but there is just so much beauty out there. And, like, in Mia, I lived in um, Iseshima, which is, like, the mm. uh, parks region. I mean, yeah. like, parks, uh, like, forests, like, rivers. It was just, it reminded Beautiful. me so much of New Zealand, like, just the greenery, mm. the, the mountains and stuff. But, 
um yeah i would just say to anyone like every time someone says i'm coming to Jamaica, i'm like you need to experience like take the train and go and check out um countryside japan you know i love i feel like if you don't get to experience that you never know the true japan right you know i agree yeah i agree and i think because when you're living in the city you get caught up in this that fast pace and that bustle and and i feel like whenever we do do those trips where we go out you know somewhere camping or just you know just going somewhere who haven't been i do feel like this just it's quiet it's mm. calm you know yeah yeah beautiful and, and the other thing about living like so you know we had our autumn break and then in january i went i just took like a few days went on a trip just went on my own just spontaneously last minute and it forces you to speak because you know like you said it's so peaceful and calm and I realized when I was on, like, once you get out into country, countryside, Japan, there are no English-speaking people. So you're just hearing yeah. Japanese all around, and then you're, like, forced to. And, you know, mm. me and my broken Japanese, you know, like, I have better, like, listening skills in Japanese. Like, mm. I can pick up that way. I just don't know how to yeah. speak it. But I'm like, oh, Respond. you know, like you yeah. have, you're really forced to just use the language. So that's, you know, that's the upside of it, right, is, like, you, mm. you just got to get in there. <laughs> beautiful it is it really is yeah Mm. okay so when you were starting out as a teacher how did you deal with um doubts such as am i going to be able to care for every student's individual needs um or how did you deal with doubts of am i just going to fail you know because you know Mm. you're starting off as as a new teacher like how did you I mean, did you have those doubts? How did you deal with that? Like, just because I think we came the same year, right, um, to our school. Yeah, we did. We did. Absolutely. I had those doubts. And, um, you know, my my background, I, I kind of came into education a little bit later. You know, this is my kind of first school that I've been at. And so it was definitely of like, is this what I'm meant to do? Like, I feel like I I have an understanding, but I I didn't grow up around little kids and and oh just a little background I started in elementary education so I think one of the things that really helped me is the first couple years that I started out I was the teaching assistant for um and I think I was lucky to have teachers like one of my one of my mentors Matt um he he really showed me how to value the relationships and how to create just the positive classroom, like a safe classroom first before worrying about the the content. And I feel like that helped me kind of have this mindset of first care for the kids, make them make them know that you genuinely do care about them and, and worry about their well-being. And then he was, he, you know, and he was always joking, like, don't worry, the, the content will come later. So I felt like because I saw that example, and then eventually when I had my home, own homeroom, I kind of took that with me. And I felt like, you know, it, it was a learning process. It was tough at first of like, oh, how do I handle this whole classroom? How do I make sure I care for everyone? But like, I think because I had that knowledge, I knew that at the end of the day, like, it, 
the kids are care if I just if I have a connection with them, you know, and I think that's what encouraged me. And at first, I really was like, I don't even know how to talk to kids. <laughs> you know, um, in, in my family, I have just one niece. And so I only really interacted with her, but I wasn't really around a lot of kids growing up. So I was sort of like, I don't even know, like, what language she I, I knew not to swear okay no, no. but <laughs> well done <laughs> yeah ooh, I got that one yeah no. but but um you know how like how do I phrase things so that children can understand it or make sense of it in their own way you know I, I learned like the, the techniques of how to how to pose questions that are open so that the kids can then feel like they can respond in the way that they that they have access to you know the language that they know and and i feel it's it's been a process and i am still growing and i'm still learning absolutely how best to interact with um children but you know i'm i'm getting more confident as the as the years are going by so I mean, I love it. I definitely can see that. I mean, I know we all started out together and um, mm. like back in 2015, but I, I, I have seen just the growth, um, your growth and development, your confidence as a teacher. And I mean, I think the best thing that happened was when like this year was you moving to middle and high school, well, middle school, middle and high school. So yeah. like I have seen you just the, beast mode constant grind for four years and then finally for five years and then finally you know there was an opening and you came up and it, I was just I was so happy um for you I was so proud of you just because I've seen you know the challenges that come with being you know le learning on the job like you know first time teacher learning on the job and just to see like your growth and how far you've come I mean sis I, I say it mm. to you all the time um, I'm I'm just super proud of you, and like you said, you know, as teachers, we just we continue to grow. Like we're we're in the, mm. this job that is, you know, we're lifelong learners. We have to be lifelong learners because yeah, we have to, you know, we always need to be checking ourselves, um, doing self reflection, and really looking, like you said, you know, even if it's down to the questioning, and you know, we need to continue to learn how to build rapport with all types of learners, or different students mm -hmm. and considering their different identities that they bring into like our classrooms you know like that is just so yeah. crucial and you're doing a great job like oh, seriously you are doing you. a fantastic job you know I tell you all the time um but I was I was like what I wanted to ask was now that you're in the middle and high school because in elementary which I dream about. You had your own classroom, which I kind of do as well. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate yeah. to kind of be in one room. But now that you're up here in middle and high school and you're moving from room to room, so what, would, mm. what, what are some useful practices for teachers mm. who share classrooms or float in, you know, in and out of several rooms? Because, you know, I've got issues sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are some um, useful practices that you would, like, think you could pass on just to some teachers. well yeah absolutely I mean the the first thing that I feel just the shared understanding that it's a shared space like 
I feel some of the classrooms I walk into, it's like, what is this mess every <laughs> like like I'm tripping over wires. Yeah. We're on the yeah. same level. Whoever so, listening, me and Erica, we we're we're exactly the same. That mess that we walk into, nah, not cool. <laughs> Like, I just, it, it bothers me so much when I'm like, I can't, why is this, what is this random trash in this corner? Or like, what are these random mark, like, come on. So I feel like the first is just like under, you know, it's common sense, but it's shared space. So clean up after yourselves or to remind the students of like, hey, if we had a day where we got stuff out, let's clean up for the next teacher, you know. Um, but I would say just, one of the things a, a tip for moving classroom to classroom i feel when i had my own homeroom it was great because i you know i could get sharp paper and have like a things up on the wall and like okay we're gonna use that pull that down or refer to here's the timer things like that so now it's sort of i'm limited to just kind of the capacity of what i can carry so i feel a lot of it now is digital which i think is great but the, I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm I'm excited for when we can kind of share and, and move about in groups. Tell and we can about have it. More. Yeah. So I feel like even and, and to be honest, I haven't done this practice yet because of COVID and everything. But once once I can, I, I look forward to when we can just get like almost like our own homeroom where we keep those charts up. We have it. So then so then you don't have to carry everything with you or make it in a digital format. Just it's in the classroom as a constant reminder. So like, and, and when I talk with the kids on like, they, they also want a room where they see their learning. Like they wanna see a reminder or that, you know, they'll send me an email of like, oh, Miss Erica, you know, what was that you said about this? Or can you share the slideshow? But if I, if it was already up in their room, they'd be ready to go. So yeah, and, and the other thing is just because sharing the room you know, and, and this is also our, our school has access to a lot of technology, but, you know, I find that things that can be digital are great because then you don't lose it. So, <laughs> so, so you know, so like I just feel like I'm able to keep I because, you know, I only have my one little desk yeah. to store all my stuff, whereas before I kind of had my whole classroom where I could just organize all my papers. Right. So. Um, just, yeah, just being critical about what kinds of things are great on paper, what kinds of things that can be done digitally. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. What are some misconceptions that um, people have about teachers or teaching? Uh, that it's a daycare. <laughs> and, I, and that's that's actually that's actually something that my dad told me so yeah that's something and then once once i started teaching and i told him like no this is the reality of my day of everything i need to deal he's like oh i i genuinely thought it's just a place to just let my kids be you know i know i was like thanks dad awesome cool and um thinking about your middle school students um Mm. What did you want to be when you were a middle school student? I mean, were you one of those kids? Mm. Like, I remember when I was in elementary, like primary school, which is elementary. Like, I had kids. I want to be a fireman. I want to. Like, they knew. They knew. I was just like, I didn't know. But for <laughs> and that was in elementary. But you know, when you think about the students that you're teaching, I mean, are some of them talking about their dreams? Like, did you know 
at that age what you wanted to be? I think, yeah, there's definitely, when I'm thinking of certain students, they, they have a very strong, clear understanding of what they want to do with their future. For me, you know, I, I kind of jumped around. I, I have a lot of interests from astronomy to architecture to archaeology I love. So I didn't really have a, one kind of thing that I wanted to be, but I knew, I think a lot of it centered around mythology. Like I, I, I really, in, in kind of studies of ancient civilizations. And so that's why like I, I first got into like ancient architecture and then mythology and then thinking about, oh, what were the, what was the stars like before? So I feel like a lot of it revolved around that. And I, I think when I was middle school, high school, I, I don't think I had a clear understanding, but I definitely felt strongest about wanting to be an archaeologist or wanting to study mythology a bit more. So that was something I felt like I think I, I, I knew that I was interested in, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Has it been difficult to get our students um, motivated um, just in terms of learning and, you know, assignments and things getting that done like has it been difficult especially mm -hmm. during uh COVID times or you know is everyone just kind of like let's just soldier on together like you know I I actually I feel for the most part they're all they're all trying their best and trying to soldier on you know and I think the area that's challenging for some of the students is kind of the self-management of of getting work turned in by a certain deadline but I feel that their motivation is there. They want, they want to do the work. They want to, they want to, you know, some students maybe are putting a little bit too much stress into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but I, you know, I think, I think they are trying to soldier on and, and I really, I have been impressed by just how much they're willing to just take on all that's been thrown at them. And and for me, you know, I work with middle school students and which in our school this year, we have two grade levels that moved up to middle school. One was previously in elementary. Um, and so I, I'm working with two grade levels that this is the first time that they have kind of the schedule of, you know, how many classes, all this homework. So I, I feel like it it seems to be on par with just that transition into the middle high school of, you know, getting their organizational skills together, learning to communicate in a professional way with their teachers, you know, we're, so, and, and I'm, when I think about some students that are maybe having a hard time or finding it challenging to get all their work in, I feel like it, it's less about their desire to want to do work, it's more just just simply feeling overwhelmed or, you know, the the circumstances of having so much and also maybe the pressure from teachers trying to jam a lot in to make up for some things, you know. So I I, 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 I kind of feel for the kids that they there's a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. And so um like, you know, mental health, uh well being, um 
and just seeing that some of our students, you know, I mean, like you said, you know, most of them are coping, but, you know, we still see, I mean, even grade 11, like in the high school, we still see kids who are really struggling during uh, mm. during this pandemic. And, and I know teachers as well mm. are struggling, you know, um, with well-being and health. Um, how do you look after yourself? Like what, I know you've got a lot of interests, but, you know, how do you treat yourself so that, you know, you know, like self-care? How are you looking at yeah. yourself outside of your interests and, you know, outside of school? Because yeah, we need I you, think, you know? You know, <laughs> uh, you know and you, and yeah, Russell, you know me well, and I tend to kind of put myself last. Yes, so yes. so self, self-care is definitely a um, a tough topic for me. And one of the things that I'm really, I'm, I've been trying to do this year is once I go home, try not to do work when I go home. Whereas, yeah, in, in previous years in elementary, you just don't have time in the day to, to do any of the planning or anything like that. So it, I mean, pretty much I'd spend several hours at home every night just getting work done. So one of the things I'm trying to do this time around is just to to stop and and you know and and part of that is also when I get home I need to make dinner so that kind of forces me to stop and pause but yeah I think just the trying to work on that work life balance um I'm still trying to learn to say no. I can't. I hear. I mean, a, like, yeah. You know, like, don't beat yourself up, you know, because I, um, I hear you. You know, same thing. Yeah. Um, it's not easy. It's it's hard, and and I feel because because I'm kind of getting into education a little bit later than a lot of the, the colleagues that we have around us, mm-hmm. and. Like I, I feel like I need to make up for that, and I, I, I feel like the self pressure that I need to prove that I'm worthy enough to be at the school, and 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 I think that's where it impacts my my well being is that self doubt that you know I mean almost that critique on myself constantly, but yeah. Hmm. And then that lends itself into why I always say yes for everything. And then I get even more stressed because I have to, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not easy. That's for sure. Definitely not easy to say no. Um, but I get it too, right? It's, you know, moving up into a new division of the school. Like, I totally get why um, you feel that way. So mm. I know that you're a reader. That's why yes. I brought you on here. Like, not only are you an amazing educator, so committed to your job, passionate, but I know that you're also passionate about reading. Um, are you someone who likes to display your books on a bookshelf, or do you have a virtual library? Like, what kind? I mean, do you have um, audio books and e-books? Like, tell me a little bit about. Yeah, do you have a bookshelf? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so. At home in the States, my room is just covered in books. I, I like hard copy, but when I moved here, I left it all 
So now I only have like a couple books and, and now I'm transitioning to more just ebooks so I can just read it on my phone. But I'm still, yeah, I, I think I still prefer hard copies. Like I, I don't, I don't know why something, something about the feel of it just gets me. And I'm still, you know, you recommended to me audiobooks. I'm still getting into that too, but I would say most of my library, it's, <laughs> Right now, it's just one little meager shelf in our yeah, yeah. <laughs> in our room, which it makes me feel like this isn't why this isn't. These are like not even a lot of the books that I really like. <laughs> no, it's funny because, yeah, like, you know, I have like my this my books bookstagram account, and I mean, you know, a lot of people that I follow, man, I'm just like they spend hours on end just rearranging and the beautiful uh, displays on their bookshelf. But man, I'm not. Yeah, maybe I'll take a photo and show you my current bookshelf. You're gonna laugh your head off. I'll show you on my. Oh, send it to me. Send it to me. I just don't like. It's I don't have time to do that, <laughs> and also I don't think I have it in me to make it as beautiful. I mean, I follow these pages where like people are always updating. Oh, this look I've rearranged yeah. my and color coded, so pretty, so yes. beautiful. But I'm like, I don't have time. <laughs> I, uh, I, hear, I just want yeah. to read man come on <laughs> I hear you I hear you so my my old bookshelf uh I did I had two ways I organized it it was by genre I had and then and then I had like these little I cut out like uh you know those like files that have the little tabs like I cut that to book size so I could have like so I'd have like the surprised. little genres I'm not surprised I know I know and then <laughs> And then I didn't like that, so I trashed it, and I had like all my pink books, oh all of my, my blue books. Oh, I love and now, it. Now it's just yeah. Now it's just this. I think actually my my parents moved all my books, so it's all mixed in with their books. So it's like I gave up on it. Yeah. Oh man, I love it. So have you ever read a book that has made you cry? Yes, I mean, <laughs> I would say. I would say, you know, I, I texted you, you yesterday. You, you text me yesterday. I, am, I am absolutely a crier, even if it's just like, it, I don't know, if it's a fantasy book where it's like everything worked out in the end, I'm still like, yes, it worked out. <laughs> I, cry I think I cry probably every book, like, except for, you know, nonfiction, but like, I will say pretty much most of that and that's why like for me it, i i have to savor the endings because i have to be like in the right setting like i can't be on the train i can't be i just like to start like one time i was i was trying to read this book on the airplane and i just could not stop crying that the flight attendant she thought something was wrong and she's like hey are you are you okay I'm like i just this book is just so good okay you won you yeah. won i was like I, I i've had a bit of a cry but i'm like nana narcissist you win <laughs> i don't know it's just like i just can't hold it back like they just pour like i don't know what it is <laughs> um so here's uh what's your favorite drink snack or beverage uh to have beside you while you're reading i mean are you one of those people that needs you know or are you just yes. kind of like i'm just gonna read uh i mean i need my situation i need a little <laughs> you need uh, your definitely... um your your you know your favorite drink huh so, so there's 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 two there's two, okay there's three drinks of choices okay the first one if it's if it's an evening read if it's an evening read 
then I'll have either my glass of wine or a classic gin and tonic. Like that's my, that's my go-to. But if it's like a middle of the day, comfortable, I'm gonna be up in the couch, then I I, I have to have my um my milk tea with boba, tapioca milk tea kind of thing. So that's that's me. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's very Californian of me. <laughs> like they're kind of like like in California you can get like the boba milk tea right, for like right. a couple bucks. Yo. And here it's like you order it, it's like 800 yen. I like, know, 800 man. yeah, you're like, what is this? Like, <laughs> it's like not even that great tea. So maybe that should be my next, that should be my next project, perfecting some milk tea. <laughs> sure, sure. What about you? What do you have to have something or do you need your setup when you're reading? Nah, I definitely don't have a situation like you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, sorry, sister, I definitely don't. I mean, I'm not. Like I might just have my water bottle, but I, I'm not really someone who needs. I just when I read, I can't have any distractions. Like down to a drink, mm. water's all good, but I'm just like fully like. I You're just so read. into the book. Yeah. I'm awesome. so invested in the, awesome. the page, page, page. Um, but now after listening to your situation, I'm like, yo, do I need to get on that buzz? Maybe. Yeah, telling you sometimes it's like that's what that's what brings some peace and quiet. Finding a nice oh, uh, the blanket too. If you have a blanket, ah, oh. oh, you're just all stumbled up. Yeah, I'm one. Of, I, I'm one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, this is a question I was actually thinking about because I didn't even know when I did this, and this is out. I mean, outside of school. But when did you last mm. visit a library? Not including school, because everyone knows we always hang out at the oh, library. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's our that's our hey, oh, good working, question. Working. Um, where yes, working, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the last library I visited was in university. There's uh, a huge yeah. There's so I don't think I I don't think I've been to a library here in Japan. Actually, I don't. Yeah, I, I haven't. And I, I think there's to. actually, I think, yeah, I think there's actually one just down the street, too. I should go check that out. Um, Yeah, the last one was in university, I think. Mm. And the last, yeah, I think that was the last time I went in, other than, you know, our school one. Yeah. Man, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know that there's public libraries here, but with the COVID situation, I'm like, yeah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Eh? Um, and you, know, you don't know who's. What, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yes. I was just gonna say, you don't know where that book has been. Speakers, <laughs> 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 Erica. What? What? what, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I hear you. I hear you. Um, <laughs> I think that's why a lot of people just hang out in the in the bookshops. Um, for those who don't know, man, Japan. Yeah. The bookshops here are so dope. They are so fire, like yeah, you know the fire emoji times a hundred. Like the bookshops here, like man, there's yummy food in there. Lots of so many yeah. different books. There's so many different cool places, little like nooks that you can go hang out, sit there, and just mm -hmm. enjoy a book, man. 
Uh, they're a little bit expensive, but who needs to go and buy a book at a book? They are. Just go hang out there and read, right? Like, <laughs> Well, that's what, you know, sometimes I see, like, people, I feel like they just read an entire book and they just put it back <laughs> on the shelf. Like, I'm like, weren't you here when I was like, so came in here, like, this morning? Yeah. I would be one of those people, man. Like, there's some amazing books I've seen, but the, have you, I am not paying, like, 30, 40 bucks for a yeah. book. I would, I would be one of those They're people. They're so expensive. Girl. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I I think the only books that I that I feel guilty standing and reading are like recipe books, like cooking <laughs> books and stuff. I feel like I feel because those ones, it's like the only way I'm gonna take it with me if I snap a shot. I was of going it, to like, say. Yeah. I was going to say, don't lie, Miss Erica. Are you actually standing no. there browsing and snapping photos? I bet you no. are. Right? No, 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 no. I buy it. I buy it. Okay. Now I know you've got some. You, you, you have some recommendations, but I do have two yeah. more questions. Uh, yeah. Have you ever had a crush on a book character? Since you do, since oh, you get great. quite emotional, and you know. Okay. Like, this is. Oh, this is such a good question. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I think oh, such a great. Okay, the probably the most fanatic. This is gonna be so embarrassing. Okay, <laughs> so I feel like as okay, preface, preface. As I've grown older and as I've matured, I feel that I've I've grown. There's a certain there's a a, a boundary where I don't feel so attached. Mm -hmm. But the the height of like my fandom was when I was a teenager. When I was in middle school, and yes, I went through the twilight phase. Okay, loses. <laughs> I know you're you're gonna you're I, gonna judge I'm not me judging so much. You. I'm not judging uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Only the viewers judge you. <laughs> I know they're gonna judge me so much, and uh, I was definitely I was a team Edward kind of person. Uh, oh. I don't like it was the craze and i don't know i think because of like all the hormones going on and everybody around me like i'll admit i was very into it like i <laughs> that's embarrassing i <laughs> hope uh, edit you, let's edit that no i just kidding <laughs> I, like i feel i feel now it's more of i feel a connection to the characters where it's more like an endearing or kind mm -hmm. of a like a I don't I don't feel like that kind of same huge crush kind of feelings. I mean, I think I think I even had like a Twilight poster. Gosh. Oh man. Oh, what was wrong with me? <laughs> I think and then after the movies came out, it just crushed it, and I was like, "No, I I think I I don't care about these characters anymore." <laughs> that those so those I actually have the hard copies of that series at home, and it's like what the one series that I'm like ashamed that I kind of want to like slip it slip it to the giveaway pile of like, oh. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny that you mentioned that because this year, um. After we came back from the summer, the, they had to kind of share what's a book that they read over summer that they wanted to share with the class. And I swear, like, three three kids were choosing one of those books. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, like, tell me, point out the person to me right now who is recommending these books to you. Tell me right now. Yeah. <laughs> like um, and so... So one and one of the girls, she was like, "Oh, I really love this," and I, I kind of steered her into like a dystopian 
kind of route instead. She's like, oh, these are so much better. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so what's a book that, one book that you have read um, over and over again, like th that one book that, you know, you can just go back to all the time? Do you have one or? One book, I, I do. Um, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's Edith Hamilton's mythology. So again, I, cause I, I love mythology and that was, that was sort of the book that inspired me to learn about other countries. Like I, I because I felt that growing up it was a very one narrative about like, oh, this is where our Western philosophy comes from. These are where, you know, these are the the great Greek myths. Or, and and then when I, after I read it over and over, then it, it started to make me feel like, oh, well, this sounds very similar to what I heard in, like, from what I knew from my grandparents telling me about Japanese mythology. So it sort of was like, like almost like my comparison book. So. I use that book and then compare it with like a myth from another country or like I'd go back and like it, I feel like that was what first piqued my interest and then like then it went into you know Egyptian mythology and then I went into like Sumerian and then Japanese and then wanting to learn like I, Incan you know so like I feel like it was sort of the stepping stone that kind of and, and I'd say that's the one book that like I, I just always keep with me, like in, in my library. Like even now, I just I recently bought like there's like a I think fiftieth anniversary or seventy fifth or something like an anniversary one has like really cool illustrations. So I feel like that's the one that I, yeah, keep coming back to for some reason. And I and I I don't know maybe it's I'm I'm drawn to storytelling. I don't know. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so mm -hmm. you you have some book recommendations or a book. You've, you've brought a book or something. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So I, I had thought about recommending two books, but I'm actually going to just focus on one because I, um, I feel that this is one that I just I really want to talk about. And um, today I wanted to share about, you know, a Japanese author, a Japanese female author, and a contemporary author. And so the book that I want to share is called The Housekeeper and the Professor. Let me pull up my notes here. Yeah, The Housekeeper and the Professor. And I think um, maybe, have you read that one before by Ogawa Yoko? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and I just, I so I first read this book. I think the Japanese version, it's uh, the Japanese version is called um, Hakase no Aishita Sushiki, I think, which actually literally translates to um, the the equation the professor's beloved equation or something like that so it's it actually a little so bit much better. better. <laughs> I know, you know right and, and, then, and then when you when you hear that you're like ah okay I because then in the story when you yeah. see the equation you're like ah okay okay wow, now but, it makes um, sense. So the the original the Japanese version I think came out in two thousand three and they didn't actually translate it until two thousand nine wow. so in English and I just I love this book because of several reasons. Like it's 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 a quite it's a peaceful book. It's when you're reading it, it's quite calm. 
you know, you kind of, it's from the perspective of one of the characters. So it's almost like this, there's this clarity to this. It's very realistic, um, sort of this peaceful kind of slice of life kind of approach. It's and just... yeah, so so the book, it centers around kind of three main characters. Uh, there's a professor, he's a mathematics professor, but uh, he can only remember 80 minutes at a time. And then he ha there's a housekeeper that's kind of dispatched to take care of him. And then the housekeeper's son, who is nicknamed Root because of, like a square root because his head's flat. <laughs> so it's like, so this this book, um, for me, I I just find this, it's so, it's touching. It's for me, it's a little bit nostalgic. You know, it's a beautiful story that shows the relationships. I feel like that's the key kind of idea is about relationships and 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 people longing to understand the world around them, people in, in the profession, you know, this book, it, it has a lot of reference to math and um, uh, also baseball as well. But like, I feel that even if you're not really interested in either, like you can still, you kind of, kind of grow to kind of develop that same mindset as the characters, you know? Like even I felt like after reading it, I'm like, oh, now I'm starting to notice things around me, you know. So, which I guess that's every book, but yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, I just I feel like this book is one that, um, you know, if readers are interested in learning about more contemporary Japanese female authors, this she's a really big name right now. She has several works, um, Ogawa Yoko, or sorry, in English Yoko Ogawa. Um, she. She has several works that have been translated into English. A lot of her stories revolve around memory and like the concepts with that. Um, in addition, I think a lot of the times when you look at translations, translated works, sometimes when they're in English, it kind of loses the beauty of the language in its original language, you know? So, but I feel like this one, it still has this tone in, in the language that use it, it's clear. It's not, you know, like a Dickens kind of <laughs> confounded <laughs> paragraph long sentences, but there's, there's kind of, but it's still complex and in, in the words that are used, it's very like specific word choices. Um, like I just, I felt that it, it does the service. It, it, yeah, in, in English, it still kind of gets a lot of the nuances and, and yeah, I have too many notes here. I need to, I should have <laughs> like highlighted some things. Um, yeah, but I just, yeah. So the language, it almost feels like it's like a diary kind of, diary-esque kind of feel. I don't know if you felt that way too when you're reading where it's sort of, you can either, you know, pick it up and just read through it. Like you don't want to set it down or there's also kind of this way of like, even if you do kind of read a little bit, put it down, and if you pick it back up, it's very easy to kind of jump right back in because, you know, we know the characters, we kind of know the situation. And so it's it's kind of one of those where it's, it's like a, I feel like it's a very calming, heartwarming kind of read, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I read it. I think I told you, like, I read Banana. Yoshimoto, right? Is it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The I mean, kitchen. I mean, is that the one? No, the other one. Um, um, uh, the one that's set, Shimo, Shimokita, 
Shimo Kitazawa. It's, it's set oh, yes. 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 Um, yes. Yeah. Moshi I moshi think it's yeah, moshi moshi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. I, yeah, I, I read that, and I'm not even lying. Like, I just try to persevere because it took me like six, seven months just to get through it. And you know, it's mm, what you were mm. saying about the translation. Like, I just man, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. Like, mm. I, was, I felt so disconnected. But I, the reason why I just try to finish it is because I wanted to get to the end. Like. But when yeah, I read yeah. Yoko Ogawa, I yeah. read it straight through. And, yeah, it, it was just something so different from that Banana Yoshimoto. And I know she's got some mm. amazing works out too. And people love her. When I read Banana Yoshimoto's reviews, I mean, people were just raving about it. But I yeah. struggled so much. And I think it made me wish that my Japanese was, like, so good that I could just read the Japanese versions like when I I mean I got through um uh Yoko Ogawa but I was also mm. kind of like man I wish I could read the Japanese versions right like um yeah I mean did you read the Japanese version or you I I attempted I, <laughs> I att my mom did my mom did and she really she really loved it mm. she said um you know it's just that sensitivity and I guess like a lot, sorry, I'm fidgeting with my um, sound here. There you go. Um, yeah, my mom really loved um, the trans or the the original, and I think I feel like there's a there's a like a I don't know. It's just this sensitivity, this kind of gentleness to it that kind of pulls you in, that makes you want to read a bit more, you know. So. Uh, yeah, I attempted to read the Japanese, but I'm just not that good with my kanji. So no, <laughs> I, I do, and especially when it comes to like, hiragana, I think would be. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Then, then we'd be good. Oh, man. Oh. But yeah, um, I was, I wanted to mention like this one. Um, yeah, I thought that some, some takeaways from this story that I thought a lot of people might pick on. It's the idea. What does it mean to care for someone? you know, and, and how that, you know, there's seemingly imaginary forces that somehow pull people together and how, how together you can overcome, like a lot of the, the truths that you face in your own life. So I feel like it's just a very soft kind of approach to that. And it just, yeah. And then for me too, um, it was just nostalgic, because when I, you know, hearing the scenes, and I think of, you know, my family, my childhood, my grandfather was kind of a professor character of like, my grandfather was is a little bit more stoic and, and didn't really have a great relationship with his family. And, and but then, when he was with me and my brother, he was just a different person. And like, in part of this story, you see this just beautiful friendship between the professor and the, the housekeeper's son. And it's just, yeah, like I just, and you hear, you know, they have shared interests and it reminded me of like watching boxing with my grandfather and, and like, just like a lot of those scenes, just, it reminded me how we can judge people, like my grandfather on the outside and to like, to other people, he seemed like this kind of, one-minded kind of person but he was really just this warm and gentle loving kind of grandfather and and the other piece too like it did it, it touches on 
you know, loss of memory and and the impact that can have on people around you. And yeah, and that just, it, it definitely reminded me of my grandparents too. So yeah, um, that was a lot probably. I don't want to give, I don't want to give like too much about the plot, but just, no, like, just no, it's just fine. definitely, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely a must read. Like that was, you know, I, mm-hmm. I feel you, I hear a great review and recommendation. It is a must read people. Folks listening, are uh, watching. It's yeah. such a good book. It's so different, and I, I'm it definitely is. trying to read more like Japanese writers. I, I'm reading Mariko Nagai, but she she's American Japanese. Oh, writer. so I'm reading yeah, it, yeah, which talks about um, you know, the internment camps. So, so like you know, Pearl Harbor, yes. and, and then so the Japanese, yeah, um, families and the experiences in in the U.S. um in World War Two. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to read um, more uh, Japanese uh, writers. Um, yeah, I think a lot of um, a lot of the books that I've read for Japanese literature, I feel like a lot of them seem to touch on kind of the man versus himself kind of notion of like a lot of them they you know a lot of in some people compare it to like german literature has similar kind of notes where it's not so much you know action packed but it's sort of like the humanity the the kind of the self-doubts the questioning the kind of understanding of the world so yeah i i think if if it's definitely some a different very different taste than a lot of the books that i read growing up but it's 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 interesting i think it's yeah it'll be the other book that I was going to recommend is is more on the the darker twisted side, but yeah, I'll talk about that one another time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, next time, next time, uh, uh, chapter two, part yeah. two, um, of yeah. Miss America. <laughs> so yeah, I guess yeah. that brings us to um, you know, um, just like wrapping this up. You know, I'm yeah. so so happy that you were able to make it here today. I mean, not here, here, but, you know, online. Um, no, yeah. Quick that you came to share. You know, we're just chopping it up. Uh, for those who who are watching or listening, uh, this is how we roll. <laughs> this is how we are yeah. at, at work. We're just like, you know, we have our laughs and, and then we have our serious convos. And, um, you know, I appreciate you, sis. Like, seriously, you're just different. You know, mm. you're such a hardworking uh, teacher. Um, and you know, just some encouragement for you is just, you know, keep going, uh, look after yourself, you know, like we're in this for the long run and just, you know, just be the best you, um, look after yourself because, you know, your students, they need you, we need you. And, you know, we're of no help to anyone if we're like not looking after ourselves. So, you know, just keep on, uh, keep on the grind. Yeah. Just. Thank you. Yeah. And and like, I, I feel I feel very humbled to be asked to be a part of this because I know, you know, you're you've got some great people lined up. So for me, like, it, it means a lot. And I have so much respect for you. You just you're just to me, it's like, you're like, the goddess of books. Like every time I'm like, Oh, what book? And I'm like, what's what's wrestling? You know, like, to me, it's like, Oh, this is so awesome. And you've always been encouraging. From, I feel like from day one, I think when we first met, and was that that like awkward dinner that was like <laughs> the first? I feel like, yeah. But I feel like I, I just had this vibe. 
Yeah, <laughs> but I felt like I just had this vibe from you that was just always been so supportive and you and like and I think one thing that especially this year that I just want to thank you like you've been pushing me to try to 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 be authentic to be true to myself to and like to share and stand up for other people you know like I I feel like I'm I'm so so grateful to have you in my life and to just be able to just be two tables from you know two yeah. desks from you like hey yeah. you know so prime estate and yeah. the thank you folks we're by the window I know in the house. Oh, all the haters piece, yeah the haters man <laughs> oh okay um well that's us um it's a wrap thank you sis thank you so much for having me yeah